Welcome to the special presentation of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, Catechesis from the Cathedral. Join Father Adam Streitenberger on a tour of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. In this episode, Father covers paragraphs 1667 to 1690, What Are Sacramentals? Here's Father Streitenberger. Enjoy! In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant us in the same Spirit to be truly wise, and ever to rejoice in his consolation, through the same Christ our Lord, Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you for uh, joining me this evening as we conclude part two of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Part two deals with the celebration of the Christian mysteries, which is essentially this section has been um, covering the seven sacraments. Um, we finished the seven sacraments at our last session when we um, talked about the sacrament of matrimony, of holy matrimony. Today, to kind of uh, tie up the loose ends of this um, part of the catechism, we're going to um, start with paragraph 1667, 1667 which um, falls under this, this chapter called Other Liturgical Celebrations. So we're reminded that liturgy um, is the work um, on behalf of the people, God's work on behalf of the people. So it is um, a special word that we use to describe our act of worship um, in which the Lord does things on behalf of us and we do things as a people on behalf of the Lord. Um, sacramentals are classified as a liturgical celebration, or as the Catechism refers to it, an other um, liturgical celebration outside of the sacraments. Classically, we define sacramentals as those outward signs instituted by the Church to give grace. So, if you remember the definition that we've been using um, over and over again for um, the sacraments. It's an outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace. It's not the precise um, definition that the Catechism of the Catholic Church uses, but it's close enough. It's sort of a simplified version, but it helps us to kind of get the structure of the sacraments. So the, the distinction then between sacramentals and sacraments is who instituted them. So Christ instituted in his public life the seven sacraments, and most especially in his death and resurrection and the Paschal mystery, he instituted the seven sacraments. The sacramentals are instituted by the church in order to hand on um, the graces which she shares in through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, what Jesus Christ has done for us. So 1667 begins with sort of a definition 
I gave you my own, um, but the catechism says, Holy Mother Church has moreover instituted sacramentals. They signify effects, particularly of a spiritual nature, which are obtained through the intercession of the church. The catechism then goes on to describe sort of the characteristics of sacramentals. Sacramentals are instituted for the sanctification of certain ministries of the church, certain states of life, a great variety of circumstances in Christian life, and the use of many things helpful to man. Sacramentals in 1669, so first of all, they're used to kind of sanctify various things, actions, people, um, physical entities, places even. Um, Sort of a classic understanding is that, you know, because of the effects of the fall, you know, the world, although it has a certain dignity about it, has nonetheless been damaged, it's fallen. And so sacramentals are a way um, to continue the blessing of Jesus Christ, the sanctification won by Jesus Christ to all the world. 1669, sacramentals derive from the baptismal priesthood. Every baptized person is called to be a blessing to bless. So what we're hearing is that um, sacramentals are really about sanctifying something um, or blessing something. And that the Catechism notes that even lay people can bless. They can preside at certain blessings, um, while, of course, some more solemn blessings are reserved to those in ordained ministry. 1670, the sacramentals do not confer the grace of the Holy Spirit in the way that the sacraments do, but by the church's prayer, they prepare us to receive grace and dispose us to cooperate with it. So in that paragraph, um, so we've we've heard already that rather than being instituted by Christ, it's the church that instituted the sacraments. We've we've heard who can um, practice these sacramentals, but the last point I think is is an interesting. It distinguishes the grace of the sacraments from the grace of the sacramentals. So we we, we talk about sac the grace of the sacraments. Um, and each we've you know in our in our study of the sacraments, in each of them we've kind of pinpointed the distinctive graces of each sacrament. But in general what we could say is that the graces of the sacraments. The sacraments give us this grace of, one, making present Christ himself. Number two, making presence the, present the mysteries of Christ's life. And then three, um, depending on the sacrament, um, incorporating us into those mysteries, making us a sh- sharers in those mysteries. 
It may be through the grace of justification, as in the case of baptism, or um, we might say renewal of the grace of justification through the sacrament of confession, or it may be like in the Eucharist, a full communion with the very body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ, and participation in his suffering, death, and resurrection, in his sacrifice on our behalf. The sacramentals are different. Their grace merely um, prepares us to receive um, other graces or disposes us to cooperate with it. The catechism says that it's the sacraments give the grace of the Holy Spirit while sacramentals do not confer the grace of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, in in the idea of the sacraments then is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is poured forth into our hearts. The sacramentals enable us to cooperate with that grace and with the Holy Spirit. And they dispose us to be more open to receiving the graces from the sacraments and from the Holy Spirit. So that paragraph 1670 is, um, is, is a very deep and rich one, but it is crucial nonetheless, um, I think, to help us to distinguish. In fact, it's, you know, it's sort of a secondary. If the, if the easiest way for us to distinguish sacraments from sacramentals is who instituted them, the second most important reason for us to know the difference between the two is the nature of the grace that's given. Um, so then in paragraph 1671 through 1673, there are two types of general types of sacramentals that are described. The first are blessings. The second are exorcisms. So blessings and exorcisms. Um, Among the blessings, there are what we might say simple blessings. Or as the catechism just uses the word blessings. Versus consecration. Or to consecrate something. So... First, the big category, blessing, which, as as the note points, is, um, you know, kind of bringing something under um, the blessing of the Lord, you know, invoking the blessing of the Lord upon a person, a thing, an object, a place, um, or a work. Simple blessings can be of persons, of meals, of objects, of places. They come first. But then there is to consecrate something, to consecrate a person to God or to reserve an object and a place for liturgical use. Of course, this does not mean sacramental ordination. So there are blessings of abbots, um, blessings of monks, you know, or the professions that religious make. They're not sacri- it's not a sacrament, but it is a form of consecration. And it's more than just, um, you know, invoking the Lord's blessing upon something. 
but rather it's dedicating this person or this thing to the usage. So we see there's there's a distinction then in these um, two types of blessings, but both are sacramentals. The next larger category of um, sacramentals is what we call exorcism. If blessings are the kind of the invoking of the Lord's blessing upon an object, a thing, or a person, an exorcism is a delivering of something in the name of Jesus Christ from the evil one, from the forces of the evil. Again, there are simple exorcisms So, for instance, um, at a baptism, at every baptism, there is a simple exorcism, which is done. Um, You know, in in certain things like the blessings of holy water or of salt, in addition to the blessing, there is also a a simple exorcism of those things. Um, Certainly, people can... Um, you know, pray some prayer of deliverance, you know, if um, that would be kind of a simple exorcism. Um, But then there is a solemn exorcism. It's also called a major exorcism, which can only be done by a priest who has been given permission from the bishop. So again, just like there's kind of twofold blessings, blessings versus consecration, there's simple exorcisms versus these solemn exorcisms. In this same section on sacramentals, the catechism also talks about popular piety. Now, when we think of sacramentals, um, we, we don't necessarily immediately think about blessings and exorcisms. But that's the first category, really, that's given to us. The third category, so blessings, exorcisms, the third would be popular piety. So besides sacramental liturgy and sacramentals, catechesis must take into account the forms of piety and popular devotions among the faithful. These include such things as the veneration of relics, visits to sanctuaries, pilgrimages, processions, the stations of the cross, religious dances, the rosary and medals, etc. Um, an interesting point that in that list of what, it's, what would fall under popular piety or devotionals, we don't see adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. Adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. Well, what is, what's the case with that now? Most people would think of adoration of the Blessed Sacrament as one of the most important devotions, quote-unquote devotions, or acts of popular piety. But in fact, it's adoration of the Blessed Sacrament is not um, a devotional. It's not a popular piety. When the Catechism treats adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, it treats it under the section on the Eucharist. It is an extension of the very sacrament of the Eucharist itself. It is, of course, the very body and blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. And moreover, adoration of the Blessed Sacrament is a form of worship. It is God who is before us, present in the Blessed Sacrament that we are worshiping. So that's why the Catechism does not mention 
adoration of the Blessed Sacrament in the section on popular piety because it's not a form of popular piety. It's a form of Eucharistic worship. Um, then the paragraph 1675, these expressions of piety, they extend the liturgical life of the church. They do not replace it. Um, so often we want to put devotions in competition with the liturgy um, and with the seven sacraments. But in fact, they, they um, open us up, they incline us, which is the role of sacramentals. They dispose us to cooperate with the graces of the sacraments. They draw us in. Um, to an, a greater attentiveness to the Eucharist and to um, the sacraments and to worship. Um, so then the catechism ends with its treatment of sacramentals um, in paragraph 1679. And then it switches to Christian funerals, Christian funerals. And this is going to be the very last thing. Um, it's kind of interesting if you remember... Um, when we covered the creed, we talked about the last things at the very end of the section on the creed. So part one, if you recall, is really the, the section of the catechism that deals with the creed. And we talked about the last things, death, resurrection, judgment, the final judgment, particular judgment, heaven and hell and purgatory, um, the resurrection of the body, all of these different things. And that was sort of the ending of the treatment on the creed and what God has revealed to us in Jesus Christ. Well, in the same way, the life of sharing in the very mystery of Jesus Christ, the celebration of the Christian mystery, the catechism in that part ends up, again, talking about the last things, but in the context of funeral, of the Christian funeral. So we hear in 1680, all the sacraments, and principally those of Christian initiation, have as their goal the last Passover of the child of God, which through death leads him into the life of the kingdom. Then what he confessed in faith and hope will be fulfilled. I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. So first of all, the catechism reminds us that funerals point to our last Passover, our last, our passing over from this world, this fallen world, into um, the promised land, which is eternal life. The Christian meaning of death is revealed in the light of the Paschal mystery, of the death and resurrection of Christ in whom resides our only hope. It is then, in some ways, that through Christian funerals, especially at the celebration of the Mass, we are drawn into the very suffering and death and passing over of Jesus Christ and of his resurrection. For the Christian, the day of death inaugurates at the, the end of his sacramental life the fulfillment of his new birth begun at baptism. The participation in the feast of the kingdom which was anticipated in the Eucharist, even if final purifications are still necessary for him in order to be clothed with the nuptial garment. So we're reminded that our life is primarily sacramental. 
And just as our life was prepared by the sacraments, baptism, Eucharist, and confirmation, so our life draws its conclusion with the sacraments. If you re- if you remember, um, we talked about the three sacraments of initiation, again, baptism, Eucharist, and confirmation. But then we also talked about um, kind of the, the trifecta at the end, confession, anointing of the sick, and viaticum, holy communion. Um, and there is this, I mean, almost kind of a beautiful parallel, the three that um, really bring us into not only this earthly life, um, but also really primarily into the heavenly life, the new life of Christ in, res- in the resurrection. Um, and then there are these three that mark us at the end of our earthly life and prepare us to go into the eternal life of heaven. The church, we're told in 1683, the church who as mother has borne the Christian sacramentally in her womb during his earthly pilgrimage, accompanies him at his journey's end in order to surrender him into the Father's hands. So just as um, through the sacraments the church has really mothered us um, in this life, so she helps us and, and, and brings us into the next life to come through the sacraments. It really is a reminder to us of the urgency of getting the sacraments to those in in um, approaching death. Um, you know, and, and I think from a, a pastoral note, so often we expect maybe the priest to know that our loved one has died. But the reality is, is um, unless we call the priest, um, he's not going to know to bring the sacraments to that person. Hospitals aren't going to call the priest or tell the priest. Nursing homes are not going to tell the priest. The nurses are not going to tell the priest. Um, so we really, you know, we really need to be attentive to that. When we accompany our our um, family members, our loved ones, to uh, really, you know, bring the sacraments in as soon as possible. You know, not, you know, I, I would even say before you um, make the decision to take them off of life support or before you make the decision to go to comfort care or before you, you know, um, they're unable to speak, make sure you bring the priest in so that those people can be accompanied by the sacraments on their way to eternal life. Um, after, you know, having um, talked about our preparing to pass over into the life to come. The catechism then talks about the celebration of funerals. Um, and, and I think this is it's a good review for all of us. The, um, what the catechism proposes um, mirrors, you know, it, 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 it's faithful to what we experience here in, in our American setting with funerals. Um, so it defines a Christian funeral as a liturgical celebration of the church. The ministry of the church in this instance aims at expressing efficacious communion with the deceased at the participation and the communion of the community gathered for the funeral 
and at the proclamation of the eternal life to the community. So it's a way to be in communion with the deceased, especially to pray for them, as a community to support each other, and that would include the family of the deceased, and then also to proclaim eternal life to the community. We all need reminded, and funerals really are an opportunity for us to be reminded, um, one, that we're going to die, and then second, that we need... um, we need to be saved and that the Lord offers us that. I mean, imagine, I mean, I think every time you have a friend or a loved one who dies, how that kind of provokes um, a reflection in oneself. And also, I think, an openness to hearing what Jesus Christ is offering us. So, essentially, there are um, three forms of the sacrament, three forms of the sacrament. Um, There is um, what we might call at the home, or sometimes it's um, at a funeral home. Most often in America, it's at a funeral home. And it's oftentimes the evening before. We call that the vigil. So the you know, in the in the rite of funerals here in in the United States, um, based on based on our tradition and and what has been handed down through the churches, there's a vigil usually the night before. There's the funeral mass itself, or for some reason you can't have a mass, a funeral service, and then third the burial. So the imagery is home church grave, home church grave, home church grave. Now, most of us, again, do um, the home portion at a funeral home. Um, But then there's also this vigil, funeral, committal, or burial. Vigil, funeral, burial. We really want all three of those aspects. And I think the image of the home, the funeral home, the church, and then the grave it really reminds us of our three um, three homes in this world, our you know earthly home with the family, our house, our you know, the home that we have in the church, and then the home that we have until the final resurrection, where our body is held. Um, but then there also is this um, sort of tone, if you look through the funeral rite, it, those, those rites itself, the vigil is reminding us that death comes. Um, the funeral is a reminder that by our death we share in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and in dying with Christ in baptism we also come to share with him in the resurrection. Um, and it's also kind of the intense time to really pray for the person to offer the sacrifice, the Mass, on behalf of this person. And then um, the burial reminds us of the final resurrection, that um, this person is going to come forth from this grave when Christ returns in glory. So all three aspects are important. And, you know, I think this gives us a wonderful opportunity to really practically look at our funeral. Um, to make sure that we have those three elements, the element at home, the element in the church, especially a mass, and then the burial. And 
that you know we have at least you know this sort of vigil the night before this prayer the night before we have the funeral mass and we have the rite of committal um and you know it's it's always good maybe even to even sit down and start this planning or at least get it written formally you know that i want these things when i die um the church has accompanied me throughout my life and has been of great value and importance to me and i really want the church to kind of be there as I pass over from, not just with the last sacraments, but with this uh, funeral liturgy. The catechism then kind of explains the structure of the the Christian, the order of Christian funerals. Um, and as I said, it kind of, you know, there are those three little elements um, but with all three of those elements, there tends to be a common structure. So first of all, the greeting of the community. Um, the second is the liturgy of the word. We're reminded in 1688, the homily in particular must avoid the literary genre of funeral eulogy and illumine the mystery of Christian death in the light of the risen Christ. Um, perhaps we have high expectations of the priest or deacon at our funeral or the funeral of our loved ones, but really the the message that they're supposed to deliver is that Jesus Christ has conquered death by his own death on the cross and by his resurrection and to fill us with hope. It's not necessarily a eulogy of the person, you know, um, or, you know, a eulogy is this sort of um, explanation of the person's life and of their great virtues and strengths and whatnot. Um, we realize, um, especially, I think, when we face death, that our real strength in this world the uh, is Jesus Christ. And the greatest accomplishment in our life is that we have remained faithful to him, or rather, he has... Um, enabled us to be faithful to him. Um, those are the things that matter that we should be remembered for because those are the things that last. The Catechism also says that funerals, especially the funeral mass itself, the, the funeral service at the church, that the Eucharistic sacrifice be a part of it. When the celebration takes place in the church, the Eucharist is the heart of the paschal reality of Christian death. The Eucharist is. It is through um, the Mass that we witness the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, His death, and His resurrection, and we are and we come to share in His very risen body and blood, soul, and divinity. And then there is this farewell, or this what is called the final con commendation by the Church. Um, and it is um, with this kind of final commendation, excuse me, in paragraph 1690, that the catechism concludes um, this part on the sacraments and the liturgical life, the celebration of the Christian mystery. I think as, as we wrap up this section, um, a couple of the things that have really struck me, and, and I advise everyone to read the catechism but also and to read it through 
but also to reread it. Because every time I read the Catechism, there is something new, maybe something that I missed, um, or some connection or insight that that deepens um, um, because of 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 this particular reading. You know, I I'm very struck, and I've hit this theme quite a bit. Is that you know we talk about the sacramentum, the outward sign. Um, that each sacrament consists of. And we also talk about the mysterium, that every sacrament makes present Jesus Christ himself to various ways. Of course, the Eucharist, um, his real presence. Um, But also, every sacrament makes present the mysteries of Christ's life, especially the Paschal mysteries. Um, And I think just really reflecting on that is... You know, we in the last part of the catechism, the one on the creed, we heard of all the wonderful things that God has done in revealing himself to us. And our response is faith to submit ourselves. And part of that response of faith is living and celebrating those mysteries of Christ's life um, and, and sharing in them, being united and incorporated with them, being in communion with Christ and the mysteries of his life. The sacraments make this possible, and um, it's, it's really the beauty of our faith, um, that living, um, you know, this truth that God, you know, our hearts have sought the Lord, we desire God, we are made to desire God, that we are in some sense frustrated in this world, um, but God nonetheless reaches out to us and he reveals himself to us and he has revealed himself fully in Jesus Christ and in the mysteries of Christ's life. And um, we respond to that. And that response is a full submission of ourselves. We we freely give our all and we accept him and we come to share in this. The sacraments are the primary means by which, um, and the opportunity by which we ha- we have, to really surrender ourselves to Christ and to live His mysteries, to share in the mysteries. Those same mysteries that Peter and Our Lady and John and the apostles and the crowds um, were able to witness um, are present. Um, in our own life, and we are able to be present to them um, because of Christ has instituted these sacraments. So we just give thanks to the Lord for these great gifts, um, and we ask that we might always be attentive to them, um, especially that we may, as followers of Christ, as his disciples, um, grow in response to our baptism and confirmation, that we might be um, strengthened and renewed by the gift of his very body and blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist, that we might, through our sufferings, be united to Christ by the sacrament of anointing of the sick and share in his own sufferings as he shares in ours, that through the sacrament of confession we might be um, healed and um, saved from our sins, and uh, renewed in the graces of our baptism and of our justification. 
and that through um, the sacraments of holy order and matrimony that we might continue as disciples of the Lord to serve him and to build up the church, to be consecrated to him, um, and to really live a life of mission. Um, until the end, where the Lord brings us to himself, where we pass over from this life to the next. It is this great gift of the sacraments that we give thanks to the Lord. As a bit of advertisement, we will be um, in May um, or June, but probably beginning in May, um, starting the third, part three of the Catechism, Life in Christ, which is the morality section. At its heart is the Ten Commandments. So um, we look forward to that, and hopefully you'll be able to join us for that. Let's end with a prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. This is listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. You've been listening to Catechesis from the Cathedral with Father Adam Streitenberger. If you'd like to listen to this episode again, download it or share it with a friend, please visit stgabrielradio.com. Go to our audio archives and look for Catechesis from the Cathedral. Thanks so much for joining us today. God bless and have a great day.